I'm going to be preaching this week and next week. And after that, in a couple of weeks, uh, Pastor George is going to be leading a really important sermon series on neighboring um, and uh, how to be good neighbors, what that means, how to help each other do that, and why it's so important. And so I thought, since I have a couple of weeks, that I would do a mini-series of two weeks uh, kind of introducing that idea a little bit. And I thought I would introduce it by looking at the, what, what we in the church call the greatest commandment, which is actually two commandments, uh, which Jesus says to love the Lord your God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. So this week, today's message is about loving God. And I want to look at the why we love God. Why should we love God? In order to do that, I want to talk about God's nature. But before I do that, I have to talk about human nature. And specifically, I'm going to start with my nature. If you don't know what a huge nerd I am, here's a little idea. Uh, in this brand new baby year of 2019, uh, it's just started, and I have already this year watched not one, but two documentaries about the same topic. It was so interesting to me. Uh, it's something called the Fire Festival. It was a music festival that was promoted a couple years ago in 2017, and uh, there was so much buzz around it that it, it made kind of big waves in certain circles in the news. Uh, so this gentleman is the mastermind behind the Fire Festival. His name is Billy McFarland, and if you were to ask Billy to describe himself, he might use words like entrepreneur or influencer or self-made man. Uh, Billy, by the time he was in his 20s, he already had several startup businesses. Uh, he had a very, um, uh, I guess, business acumen, like he always was looking for a way. How can I make a product out of this? How can I make a business? So he started promoting something called the Fire Festival, which uh, his staff said would be this generation's great music festival. The promotional materials were exotic, they were exciting, they were mysterious. This festival, the commercial said, is going to take place on an exotic remote island in the Bahamas, once owned by Pablo Escobar. The commercials, just the commercial, featured the top supermodels. The commercials said, Everyone who's everyone is going to be there. All the big celebrities, all the most beautiful people, all the most influential people will be there. The celebrity and music lineup was top of the line. All of the biggest celebrities and music acts are going to be there. This will be the music festival. And so the promotion for Fire Festival just took off like crazy. And everyone knew... As soon as they saw that, I have to be there. I have to be a part of it. Where do I get tickets? How do I get tickets? And so out of this fear of missing out on this great experience, uh, general admission tickets sold out almost overnight. And the only thing left were uh, VIP packages in luxury villas that for a weekend at a music festival ran upwards of $250,000.
and those were selling like hotcakes. Uh, so this was just set up to be the experience of a lifetime. And finally, the big day came. All of these young people had booked their, uh, in a lot of cases, private flights to this island where they're supposed to show up, and they got there to find that uh, things weren't quite ready, I guess is one way to put it. Um, in fact, when their, when their bus turned around, turned a corner to uh, the luxury beach accommodations, they didn't see villas, they saw FEMA tents. <laughs> and instead of being treated with, like royalty, they were literally told, grab a mattress, claim a tent. Um, instead of the infrastructure that needs to be in place, frankly, to sustain a thousand people in a small area, there was not. Uh, instead of security and safety, there were lockers. Uh, bring your own lock lockers, by the way. So I hope they brought their own. Um, and instead of gourmet food and being in the lap of luxury, this is an actual meal that they received, a cheese sandwich and wilted vegetables. <laughs> um, because you see, while Billy McFarland would describe himself as an entrepreneur or a self-made man, psychologists have another term for Billy and people like him, a con artist. See, Billy was happily collecting everyone's money, the ticket goer's money, but he wasn't paying his talent or the bands. He wasn't paying the locals on the island. Uh, he was shifting money and doing illegal wire transfers all over the place, uh, paying this hand to, to pay that hand, and it was, it was crazy, but, uh, but Billy made his money, and... Everyone else was just scammed. They were out of luck, and they were stranded. And uh, some might say uh, a, a problem of their own making. In fact, this, this festival became so well known, I think because uh, a lot of people were kind of, they, they thought it was funny. They thought it was funny to see, okay, these punks paid $250,000 to go get treated like royalty, and this happened. They got this cheese sandwich. It's a little bit funny. <laughs> but I don't think that it's, it's uh, necessarily a class thing. I don't think that this necessarily happened to them because they had too much money to spend. Um, I think there's also a temptation to say, uh, okay, these are millennials, right? These crazy millennials will do anything. Uh, but... I'd like to humbly remind you that five decades ago, a bunch of young people also showed up for a music festival in overcrowded and filthy conditions, and they loved it. It was, it was Woodstock. <laughs> um, but all jokes aside, I think that, uh, I really think that that's what these young people were showing up for. They thought, I get to be a part of this generation's Woodstock. I get to be a part of history. I get to be a part of something bigger than myself. That was their deep heart question. That's what, they were, that's what they thought they were paying for, not just a music festival, but to be a part of something, 
They thought they were, they thought they were receiving significance. So this isn't really about millennials versus baby boomers or wealthy people versus the regular Joes. Um, I don't think this is a generational thing. I think this is a human nature thing. These people had such a desire for significance that, frankly, that's what people like Billy McFarland count on. The most fascinating part of these two documentaries for me is uh, one of them had a psychologist named Maria Konnikova, and she said, she said this, this is what she said. She, she said about people like Billy and con artists, they look into your soul, they see what you're missing, and they take advantage of that. And all of a sudden, this documentary that I was having fun watching became very serious. <laughs> and it reminded me, it called to mind of, of an example I had heard of how the devil works. They said, you know, if you open up a piano and you sing a note into it, then the string that corresponds with that note will start to vibrate. It's called sympathetic vibrations. And they said, that's how the devil works. He doesn't make us evil. He doesn't make us do bad things. But uh, to, to paraphrase, he looks into our soul, he sees what we're missing, and exploits it. It's easy to look down on these poor saps who bought tickets to the fire festival, but they're not the only people to be vulnerable to this. This is how advertising and marketing work, especially today. Everything's targeted. Uh, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've had, I've had times where I swear, I didn't say it out loud. It was in my, I thought it, like, uh, man, it was great when, I had a, when we had a hammock in the backyard, you know? And then I'll, I'll turn on my phone and look, and suddenly I'm seeing ads for a hammock? And I'm like, I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> Much less if you price tickets or click on something, these targeted ads will start flying at you. You see it everywhere. Now let me say, um, and this goes for every one of us, if we went home right now and turned on our favorite 24-hour news station, whatever that may be, we'll see extremely targeted messages about who we've already decided to fear, who we've already decided to hate, what path and what decisions and what politics will already give us significance. See, I don't think this is a generational thing. I don't think this is a partisan thing. I think this is a human thing. They look into your soul, see what you're missing, and take advantage of it. So again, let's, let's see just how far back this goes. Let's see how susceptible humans are to this. It goes centuries back to the beginning of time. It goes all the way back to today's text and beyond. Israel, God's people, had done the same thing as we do, the same thing the fire Festival folks had. Israel had sold the best parts out of herself for con games and scam artists. Isaiah says, that she had been left desolate. She had given away parts of herself, thinking it was in exchange for significance, 
thinking it was in exchange for security, but she had been left desolate and empty, like a gravel beach with FEMA tents on it. And then, as I said before, before we understand why we love God, we have to look at God's nature. Look at what happens with Israel as soon as God comes on the scene. God gives Israel a new name. Her name was desolate. He gives her a new identity. My delight is in her. He gives her that significance. He gives his people the real thing. And he gives it freely. He gives it without price. Or, to put it better, someone else already paid the price. I think if those psychologists using their models had to construct the polar opposite of a con artist, I think they would start with someone, first of all, who has the real thing to give. But then they might say, this person has everything, and they don't sell it for a premium, but they give it up. They give it up out of love. See, Jesus, from the beginning of everything, had all significance. He stood at the pinnacle of history. He had nothing to gain, but as we sang in the early service, we sang, you didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. He emptied himself to give of himself to us. So today I want to say, Let's stop giving away the very best parts of ourselves for what amounts to FEMA tents and gross cheese sandwiches. Let's not even love God because of what we can get from him. Let's not even love God because of his stuff. Let's love God because of how wonderful he is. Look at what he's done for those he loves. Look at what he's like. Look at how he loves.